Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Again, good morning, Crosswalk. I am Pastor Dan, the discipleship pastor, and it's my privilege to be able to share God's word with you today with our theme, Seek Justice, and, and we're looking at this theme as we go through the story. If you were here last week, you will remember that Pastor Jeff covered a a period of 500 years in what seemed like 500 years as he uh, (laughs) told us the whole story of Israel, which was great. Love you, Jeff. (laughs) And so at this time, I will simply summarize by saying David had a kingdom, Solomon had a kingdom, it was divided into two parts. Israel on the north, Jude on the south. Our theme today is the beginning of the end because it is the time when the the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, would be captured by the Assyrians and no longer exist. To this day, it does not exist and some of those tribes don't exist really either. And so we look at Judah and during this time of seeking justice, we are going to see that God sought justice through individuals, through a king, through a prophet, and as we go forward, we're going to see that he sought justice through a savior, and today, he continues to seek justice through people like you and me. And so to, to give us an idea of the, the time we're covering, and the book we're covering, it's the book of Isaiah, which is almost 60 chapters, so it's a, a lot that we're covering, and also some uh, from the book of Kings. So what we're going to do is summarize that for you in two minutes in the video. In the northern kingdom, Israel, the people continued to turn their backs on God. So God allowed them to be taken prisoner by the nearby country of Assyria. Meanwhile, in the southern kingdom, Judah, there was a new king named Hezekiah, who was only 25 years old. Hezekiah followed God's ways, removing the idols to false gods. God helped him be successful in all he did. The king of Assyria, who had recently taken over Israel, sent one of his commanders to threaten Hezekiah, telling him that God would not protect Judah from Assyria's attack. So Hezekiah went to a prophet named Isaiah for help. Isaiah was a man who God had spoken through many times. Isaiah assured Hezekiah that God would help them defeat the Assyrians. Late that night, the angel of the Lord went through the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 people. The next morning, the remaining Assyrians retreated, terrified. Soon after, Isaiah reminded the Israelites that they were to follow God in all they did. But the people turned away from God again and again, and things continued to get worse for them as a nation. Despite their disobedience, God delivered a promise through Isaiah that a new king and a new kingdom was coming for the Israelites. Isaiah spoke of a man who would one day be rejected by those around him and suffer a terrible death. But somehow, through his death, this man would bring peace and a kingdom that would never end. 
As we begin today, I'd like to tell you a little story about a guy that I knew who's, who's dead now. He's at home with the Lord. His name was Jim Byrne, and he was the last of a dying breed. Jim Byrne was a cowboy. And I mean, he was a cowboy cowboy. Lived in Wyoming, uh, ran cattle his entire life. And if you know someone who's really a cowboy, and I think there still are some out here in Levine, cowboys don't go to Toby Keith's bar, okay? They go to the spur and places like that. Places where cowboys hang out, people with, with bad attitudes and big hearts. That's what he was like. And he had two cowboy hats, one that was probably 30 years old that was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. And he wouldn't change it. It had tobacco on it. It had other things from the cow yard on it. It didn't smell good. It didn't look good, but it fit good, so he wore it. And then he had his other hat, and that was the going-to-town hat. And that one was clean, and, and it looked nice. And occasionally, the guy could clean up and, and wasn't that bad. But what was interesting is he really didn't like me. And as a matter of fact, we went hunting at his place. My, my grandpa and my dad went for over 50 years. He was like family to them. And then I finally got to go, and he called me preacher. And he didn't talk to me very much because he told me he knew too many preachers. And quite honestly, he wasn't impressed and wasn't impressed with me. And I remember one night he would come in, and, and I just want to say... I, just before we get started, I don't condone everything he did, but uh, I'm going to be honest about it. And, and it was just interesting because we'd hunt all day and then come in and he would only drink straight whiskey. And we always had to bring a bottle for him if he was going to come and talk to us after we were done hunting. And I remember one night he came in and the only seat open was next to me. And he, as he walked in, he said, Preacher, there are two things I'm not going to talk about, and that is politics and religion. So don't even start with me. And he sat down, and probably after his third shot, he said, Preacher, what is it you preach? And, and we had discussions about Jesus and about uh, the, what it was like to have his life and and his relationship with God and his relationship with Christ. And, and it, was, it was amazing, and he got to be a very good friend. And I remember specifically one story. He had tons of stories, tons and tons of stories. He would entertain us all night long with stories of the rodeo and, and the bars that he went and the places in Wyoming and the, the times when he got beat up and the times when he beat other people up and, and the lessons he had learned. And one specifically I remember him telling me was when he grew up, he actually didn't grow up in Wyoming. He grew up in western South Dakota. And he grew up in a home that had no plumbing. They did have electricity, but they did not have a furnace. So they heated their home throughout the winter months, 10, 20, 30 below, with a wood stove. And so what would happen on a typical morning, and this was when he was 8 years old and his brother was 10 years old, that his dad would usually get up at 5, 5.30 in the morning and start a fire and then go out to start chores. They ran cattle, but they also had one cow. 
And that one cow was one that they milked because there wasn't a store within 40 miles. And if they wanted milk, they had to have their own cow. So his brother, who was 10 years old, it was his job every morning to milk the cow. So at 6 o'clock, their mom would get them up after the dad had warmed up the house a little bit. And and they would go out and do chores. And one morning at, at 6 in the morning, they were laying in bed. And the mom came over with the milk bucket by his brother's bed and said, you know, honey, it's time to get up and milk the cow. And his brother grabbed the bucket and threw it at his mom and said, milk your own blank cow. And he just remembered laying there in bed in shock. And his mom walked outside. His dad came in about two minutes later. And he said his feet and his butt never hit the ground because dad kept kicking it all the way out the door. And the reason why I remember this story is not because it's good parenting technique. (laughs) But because of what he told me, and and he said, it's the only lesson I ever learned from someone else's beating and he said, I learned to listen to my mother, respect my mother, and, and, and listen to my dad. And, and as I thought about that, I, I thought about all of us. I could ask the question, do you learn from your own mistakes? But today I ask the question, can you learn from other people's mistakes? Because as we go into the lesson, the beginning of the end, and we have Israel on the north and Judah on the south, What God is going to do is going to give an object lesson of what happens when you don't follow God. And it was for all the people of Judah to see. As the Assyrians came down and and they they overtook Israel and, and they were taken away into captivity. And God was saying to them, this is what happens when you don't follow the Lord. This is what happens when you don't dedicate your hearts to me, when you don't trust me, when you don't let me fight your battles. As we look at this, maybe you think you can learn from other people's mistakes. Maybe even situations you have. Maybe you're someone who struggles learning from your own mistakes. But finally, we are going to see, and and, and the promise here is that God needs to send us a Savior for all of the problems we have. And he does, because as he seeks justice, he has a desire For people like you and me, he has a desire for people who are oppressed. Our lesson starts out in 2 Kings 17, verses 14 and 18. And this is a summary of what happened to the children of Israel, those who lived in the northern kingdom. It said, but they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord their God. So the Lord was very angry with Israel. And remove them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left. Just so you know, when I told the story of Jim and his brother, I could have said that his dad removed his brother from his presence. Which is a nice way of saying that it was not pretty, and dad was not happy, and it it was a very intense situation. And that's what happened with Israel. It, It was brutal what they went through because they did not follow the Lord. 
And so what we find is that the Lord's patience with Israel had come to an end. The Lord's patience with Israel had come to an end. And, and it says why? Because they were stiff-necked people. And that idea of a stiff neck goes to a donkey or, or maybe a horse, one that, that you, you would try to turn and it just wouldn't want to go where you wanted it to go. Where I grew up, stiff-necked people were called stubborn Germans. Same type of thing, that, that people who have attitudes, people who are stubborn, people who are going to do it the way they want to do it, no matter what anyone says. And a warning. Warning, if you are someone who are stubborn, or if anyone has called you that, to be careful that you are not stubborn with the Lord. Because this is what happens. This is, this is your opportunity to learn from someone else's mistake that the patience comes to an end. When I think of this, this concept of patience coming to an end, I, I, I have a number of different pictures in my mind. One of them that's used in the Bible is that of a, a garden where someone plants a tree or maybe someone plants a garden and you want it to grow and you fertilize it and you water it. And then after doing that a number of years, if you don't get anything out of it except sweat and frustration, you're probably not going to do the garden anymore. Or, or maybe in, in today, since, well, in Arizona, I don't know. I don't know how much grows or how much you can do that. Maybe it would be like opening a restaurant. And you open this restaurant, you want it to do really well, and so you do everything you can to prepare the food, and everything's great, but then you keep putting money in it, and money in it, month after month, you lose money. And at some point, you lose patience. You have to pull the plug. You just say it's not worth it. Or another illustration I think of is in confirmation class. I don't see any of the kids here. All right, I can tell the story. But no, with the kids in confirmation class, they're 7th and 8th grade kids. They're great. I love them. But sometimes on days like today, they're in trouble. Because I preach today. I have 101 class until 6 o'clock. And then I go to confirmation class to end my day. I'm coming in grumpy, guys. Just saying. And so as I come in, and, and okay, oh, I do see you, Malcolm. All right, warning you, buddy. You can, you can, tell, you can tell them. Then come in, and there's not anyone in, in confirmation with an iPad, is there, Malcolm? That might in, say they're looking at Bible passages, but actually be going on, I don't know, Angry Birds or Facebook or something like that. And I usually can tell when we're not reading the passage, but they're intently looking at their iPad. And so I encourage them to stop. And then I tell them, you know, if this happens again, I might have to take that away for the rest of the class period. And, and they say, yeah, but my Bible's on there. And I tell them, I don't care. And I lose my patience. I think we've been there before. Whatever it is that makes you lose your patience, that's what God is describing as he describes his relationship with Israel. So now on the flip side of that, you have someone... Hezekiah, who has learned. He's learned from the mistakes of Israel. He's the king of the northern or of the southern kingdom, Judah. And this is what it says about him. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. 
He was successful in whatever he undertook. He he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. What a difference. When you look at the contrast that that the Lord had here between Israel and Judah, between Israel and, and, and Hezekiah and how he ruled. And so what we see is that Hezekiah kept following God. And God blessed him and the country of Judah. So this would be like planting a garden and watering it and fertilizing it, and it does grow. And, and people who, who drive by, or maybe if it's your yard, they look at your yard, or they look at your garden, or they look at your flowers, and they say, wow, those are awesome. And you say, thank you. And, and you say, yeah, I, I, I work hard on it. It's great. I, I love it. This would be like having that restaurant where, where people are coming all the time and making reservations and it's a special place that they like to go. And, and you are enjoying running that restaurant and people are enjoying coming and it's successful. This is like the class, the confirmation class that happens two or three times a year where the kids do listen. And, and we go off of the lesson and we talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. And, and you can see it in their eyes and you can hear with what they're saying that they understand that Jesus is their Savior. And that it affects their lives and, and they have this desire to follow him. That is the way it's supposed to be. And that was God's plan of, of why he had a kingdom. The kingdoms that came at the time of David and Solomon and really for all of the children of Israel. They were a fulfillment of a prophecy to Abraham that he would be a great nation. It was a fulfillment of a a prophecy that the Savior would come through the line of David. But it was also a model so that just like when someone drives by and they see a nice yard and they say, wow, that's great. I wish my yard could be like that. That when people saw the children of Israel, when they looked at the nation of Israel, when they saw how the Lord dealt with his people, and the nations would see that, they would say, you have a great God. That is awesome. How can I find out more about a God like the one that you have? That's God's plan for your life as well. As you live serving him, that others will notice. It's important that we think about outreach, but I'm telling you there's outreach that you do simply by living with the comfort and the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has already given you and showing it in your relationships with those around you. Which sounds great until the Assyrians come. That's what happens in in 2 Kings 18. The king of Assyria sent his supreme commander, named Sennacherib, his chief officer, and his field commander with a large army, close to 200,000 people, from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. The field commander said to him, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have the counsel and the might for war, but you only speak empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Just to clarify here, when these men came, they didn't come to Hezekiah. They stood outside the city wall with the people and the troops listening. And they spoke in Hebrew. They spoke in the language the people would understand. And and they were making all these threats, trying to dishearten the people. 
And, and so as they're talking to him, it says, Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. This is always work. It's confusing for me. Because Hezekiah is doing everything that he should, right? He's following the Lord, listening to what he says. He kept following him. That's, that's my, my favorite part. It, we have this little dog in our house that's so annoying, lady. And the thing about it is when you're in the house, she is always in the same room you're in. It's like she never stops following you. And, and it's that picture that, that, that God gave of Hezekiah that wherever the Lord went, Hezekiah was there. He was on board. Yeah, God, I love being close to you. I never want to be away from you. And so if you think that's the case, and, and God's plan is to show other nations how great he is by taking care of his people, why in the world would you have a bigger force come and threaten the people? In the blank. This is the truth. Following God does not mean that life will always be easy. Sometimes situations will seem impossible. It's important that you know that. And it's important that you know that the promises of Christ too. Because as you look at the, the promises that God gives you, he promises you that he will never not be with you in this life. And he promises that he will take you to heaven, but he does not promise ever that life will be easy. As a matter of fact, he says just the opposite. Because of your relationship with him, your life is going to look a lot like his did with people who didn't like him for no reason and people who went after him and people who persecuted him. And ultimately with Christ, it was people who put him to death. So what is your impossible situation? What is the thing in your life where you turn to God and you say, God, I thought when I did what you wanted me to do that it would be easier. What is the impossible situation? It's been a year now since I accepted the call. Almost exactly a year since I accepted the call here to Crosswalk. And what you don't know is that after we came here, Tanya and I came to, to look for a place to rent for a year, that the three days we were here were possibly the worst three days of our marriage and life. Okay, maybe. It, it was not a good three days. That, that it was one of those that, that as we got back, we, we maybe even said, if we would have come down before we accepted the call for three days and it would have been like this, we would not have come. And it was, there, there were a number of different realities that were going on. And, and I'm just say a year later, we are so thankful we're here. We, uh, but it wasn't, it seemed, it was definitely not easy. And to an extent, honestly, I couldn't see how it was going to work. I really didn't. That there were some impossible situations that now a year later, as, as we see how the Lord has blessed us, it's just... It's been amazing. But I tell you that because sometimes a year later they aren't better. And sometimes five years later they aren't better. And sometimes 20 years later they're not better. We found as we do our work at Crosswalk that a lot of times these impossible situations revolve around finance. 
marriage, relationship with children, and things to do with your health. Those seem to be recurring themes in people's lives where things happen and, and they, they come under attack and they make you, you, you question it. And maybe even you do that where you say, God, I thought I was doing everything you want. I thought I was being like Hezekiah and kept following you. But God's promise is that through those things, he is with you, but there's even more. We go to Isaiah 37, verse 23. When these bullies of life come after us, when Satan comes after us through these things, this is what the Lord says. Who is it you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. So now this is Hezekiah going to Isaiah. Isaiah speaking to the kingdom of Assyria and saying, you guys picked a fight with the wrong guy. Because when you pick a fight with Hezekiah, you pick a fight with the Lord. When you pick a fight with one of God's children, you pick a fight with the Lord. And this is what happened. The Lord says, I will defend this city and save it for the sake, for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. The Lord fought for his people. And so when his people are oppressed, God seeks justice when his people are hurt. This desire for the oppressed, this desire that God has for you, that justice will be served. And that doesn't mean that there won't be a time of indecision. It won't mean that there's a time when it seems impossible But God's promise for you is that he will fight for you. And my encouragement for you today is to let him. Hezekiah went to the Lord and said, Lord, you know what? Here's the deal. This is how many troops I have and this is how many troops they have. I have a few thousand. They have a couple hundred thousand. As I look at this, if we go fight them on the battlefield, my mind tells me we're going to lose. I don't see any way through this. So, Lord, I'm putting this in your hands and letting you carry it so that you can take care of it, solve it, whatever, deal with it in whatever way you want. And so as we go through this lesson, that encouragement to you as well, what is it that you are carrying, that you are trying to solve, that you are trying to fix that only God can? What do you need to lay at the foot of the cross? What impossible situation let the Lord carry it. And the Lord did. And the Lord took care of Hezekiah, and we could say he lived happily ever after, but he really didn't. I mean, it wasn't just all, uh, as I like to say, unicorn and glitter from that time on for Judah. It was difficult. It 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 was a hard time. He was a king, and he lived in a sinful world. But we do know that it ended well, and that was the Lord took him to be with him in heaven. The problem is he had a son who didn't learn from other people's mistakes or from his father's correct actions and and his, his life of faith, and he turned from him. And ultimately, other kings came who turned from the Lord as well. And it was the beginning of the end. The same problems that were happening in the northern kingdom that was now gone 
would happen in Judah, and ultimately the Lord would lose patience with them as well. And let them go, not to the Assyrians, but to the Babylonians, short time later. And this is the difficult part. And and so we see on the one hand our relationship with God when things come from the outside. But the bigger problem we have is what happens when things come from the inside. In Isaiah 3, verses 1 and 8, it says this, See now the Lord, the Lord Almighty is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support. All supplies of food and all supplies of water. Jerusalem staggers. Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord to find his glorious presence. So no matter who you are, God seeks justice. No matter who you are, God seeks justice. Last week in our growth group, I I put on the growth group questions this question. If you remember, Jeff was talking about Hosea. And Hosea was a prophet who was told to marry a prostitute. And so he married the prostitute, had children, didn't know if they were his necessarily. Finally, she leaves him. Her, her name was Gomer. And, and a time period later, he sees her basically up for sale uh, because her lover had, was through with her and now was selling her basically as a slave, sex slave. And that is when the Lord told Hosea, you know what? You need to go and you need to buy her, buy her back and, and bring her back as your wife. And the question I asked was, do you think since Gomer had been through all of this stuff, do you think that her heart was going to change towards Hosea? Do you think now she would be a faithful wife and, and she would turn from her old ways? And immediately someone said, no, once a cheater, always a cheater. And I wouldn't trust her and I, I wouldn't want to take her back. And And I think... The reason why, as if we're honest about it, is because we know too many cheaters. We know the way that people are. And that the likelihood of someone changing their behavior in that situation is, is slim. And, and that's the interesting part here with this whole lesson. Because remember, God had established the nation so that people would see, and they would see how God interacts with, with his people and say, Wow, that's awesome. I would want to be a part of that. The problem is that as as the nations were watching how God was dealing with his people, what they saw is that the nation of Israel was no different than any other nation. They were rebels. They were sinners. They turned from God. The stuff they did was shameful. That the nations looked at those people and they say, I don't want to be like them. And, And if that's what it's like to be like them and that's their God, they can keep their God, they can keep their nation, and we're going to destroy them. And the problem we have is sometimes as we hear that, that's the way that that people can look at Christian churches today. I don't know how many times I've heard someone say, I don't have any problem with Jesus. It's people who go to church that I have issues with. See, that's the part of seeking justice is as we stand before God that we say, Lord, we're a lot more like the nation of Israel than we are like Hezekiah. That we follow you for a while, but, it, but we have spiritual ADD. And as we follow you, we go towards the squirrel or whatever it is that has our attention. And, and, and there we are then lost and alone. And God's answer 
was to show the nations how great of a God he is. Isaiah spoke about it in chapter 54, verse 8. When I was very angry, I hid my face from you for a short time. But with loving kindness that lasts forever, I will have pity on you, says the Lord, who bought you and saves you. And how did this saving take place? Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he, referring to Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep, like the nation of Israel, like all the bad kings of Israel and Judah, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that is why when people see a cross, and when we hear the name Jesus, that that even today, 2,000 years later, it's a positive. People have a positive reaction to the name Jesus because he is a great God. He shows the love of our God. He shows the justice of our God. By paying for our sins in our place. He is our substitute. He is our savior. He is the agent of change that the Lord brought. There were men like Hezekiah and there there were men like Isaiah who made a change. But ultimately Jesus had to make the ultimate change. And so he comes through the gospel message and changes our hearts. And he loves us. And the Holy Spirit comes in and and he makes changes and he makes it having forgiven our sin through the good news of Jesus Christ. So no matter who you are, Jesus has forgiven you. That's the promise. That's the promise. As you have a God who seeks justice but also has a desire for the oppressed, the promise is that through Jesus Christ you are forgiven. And now what he offers us is free. It's forgiveness. It's not associated to what we do, but rather what Christ has done for us. Isaiah 55, it says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. God offers you this forgiveness and then changes you. As we look at the seeking justice as our God seeks justice, understand that, that Christ was an agent of change, but so are you. Last night as I went through this on Saturday, someone started laughing and they said, every time you say that, I think of the agent of shield, agents of shield or something like that. And, and it's, I suppose those are people who have different powers or whatever, and, and they use it for the good. And that way, I guess we can say we are agents of Jesus with our superpower, which is the gospel. And what is so encouraging to me is when I watch individuals use it. This past week, we did an interview with with someone who's going to be a a new director, whose name I'm not going to use because I'm not sure if it's official yet. But sitting at a table, we, we talked for an hour and a half about his desire to serve the Lord, about his desire to step up 
and, and become an active part of what Crosswalk is doing. And it was encouraging. Then on Friday and Saturday, we had the Next Step Forum. And what was so cool about this, if you weren't able to be there, is that people could have ideas and they would write them down and we would discuss them. But no one was allowed to say, I think Pastor Dan should do this. That everyone who wrote something down had to put their name on it and said, you know what, I think this should be done. And I'm willing to be an agent of change. That I'm willing to put my name with this idea. And if it's something we go forward with, I would like to be someone who's going to lead the charge in doing it. Honestly, when we we went to this meeting, I thought it was going to be just silence once we asked for ideas and what people were going to do. I thought we were going to be sitting around there for about 15 minutes and then someone go, all right, I'll I'll write something down just to get it started. But immediately these ideas started coming and and there were, you know, first 5, 10, 15, 20, however many ideas there were, somewhere around between 20 and 30 ideas, some were melded together. And what just impressed me so much about it is people's passion in wanting to make a difference. It's a privilege for me because I get to see it in our staff. I get to see it in our leadership team of our elders. I get to see it in our our leadership team of of the, the board of directors. But I'm telling you today that you don't necessarily need to be standing up to the Assyrian army to be an agent of change. Today, you can be an agent of change when a mom says, you know what, I'm going to love my kids like Jesus has loved me. When a husband says, you know what, I need to change the way that I have been showing love to my wife. I'm going to stand up and be an agent of change here. I'm going to be an agent of change in my office. I'm going to be an agent of change. Oh my goodness, how could I forget the biggest agents of change we have at Crosswalk? Growth group leaders. That's what you guys are, seriously. And I don't know if you see it, that that you commit that time to the message and you say, this is so important because we change people's lives through the good news of Jesus Christ, offering something that is free, that was given to us freely as well. It was a crazy time. Crazy time in Israel, crazy time in Judah. It was the beginning of the end. But at the same time, it was the beginning of the promises, again, of Jesus Christ. And so may you look at this time as well. You could argue we're at the beginning of the end. But today is a beginning. Today is a beginning. When we turn to the Lord. When we follow him. When we keep following him and become agents of change. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that through Jesus Christ, you did give us the free gospel message and you describe it as water and wine and food it's just everything that we need to sustain us and so help us as we go forward from here because there are going to be situations that are not easy for sure and seem impossible and so lord we refuse to go any farther without you and and in our lives what we are going to do is we are going to keep on following you wherever you lead us we will go and we will trust you to give us whatever we need so that people will be able to look at our relationship with you and more than that, your relationship with us and say, what a great God you have. And it's in Jesus' name that we thank you, Lord. Amen. Just a reminder that this time, if you haven't already filled out the... uh, 
communication card, and you can put that in uh, the offering plate. And also, along with our verse from uh, Isaiah there, uh, we have the song, All Who Are Thirsty. Thanks. So, before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you go here, from here today, again, be assured of, of God's great love for you. And, and especially for those of us, all of us who are oppressed, God's desire and his passion for you in Jesus Christ. If there is anyone who is newer to Crosswalk and has not signed up for the 101 class today, uh, there is a 101 class at Arizona Lutheran Academy from 1 to 6 o'clock. Uh, lunch is provided and, and some snacks and things like that as well. If you have not signed up but are interested or would just like more information about it, you can catch uh, Jeff or me or Phil Bischoff is going to be helping teach it today too. Out on the patio, you are more than welcome if you have any interest in that. I think just one other thing then is if anyone also has a prayer request or anything they'd like to pray about, uh, the prayer team is here today so you can stay in your chair after the service and someone will come and pray with you. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you in favor and give you his peace. Amen. God bless you on your day and we'll see you on the patio.